Y'all know what the fuck is up. You are now tuned into episode 109 of Not Politically Correct. It is your boy, Real McCoy, aka Mr. What It Do, aka Young Splash God, aka Doped Up Danny, aka No Cap Charlie, aka Smooth Job Johnny, aka FBI Mike, aka Hip Hop Harry, aka Hallway Jones, because your bitch had a ringtone, and I know, I know I'm there. I know I'm there, bro. Was it desktop something? Oh, desktop <laughs> D's nuts looking at us. Uh, <laughs> desktop darvin (laughs) um and you can find me in st lou i can't ever stop saying that um you can find me on twitter all the time at real mccoy kpz and sometime on snapchat at real mccoy rebel cody i am cody russell (laughs) i am russell um (laughs) (laughs) but anyway right um russ Barman, a.k.a. Teddy Russ, a.k.a. Smooth Fingers, a.k.a. Kid Universal, a.k.a. The Progenitor, a.k.a. Spoolers Q, a.k.a. Russ the Bus. And then you can find me on the chatties of Snaps at Stadius Snapchatius and on IG at Candy Cupidity, C-I-N-D-I-D underscore C-U-P-I-D-I-T-Y. I-D-I-T-Y. Um, okay, so <laughs> we have <laughs> we have a, and now you're tuning into the preview of Stealth. Um, we have a Facebook group. Uh, it's not politically correct podcast. You can tap in there, and you can join and be a part of all the shenanigans and the festivities. We have a page you can like that's uh, NPC podcast. So do that for like numbers and stuff like that because apparently that's important. And for the letters on the on the internet. Um, we have a Twitter page, not PC podcast. Um, you can follow us there as well. And then we are on SoundCloud. We are on your friendly neighborhood podcast app, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, anything that you can listen to shit on, we're there except title. Um, because George Bush doesn't care about black people. Um, but if you just search not politically correct podcast, we will come up. You can comment, listen, uh, you can share it, you can leave us a comment so that way we know how great we are. Or you can tell us how bad we are. We won't listen. I promise you, we won't listen to that comment. But you can tell it to us. Because that's what y'all we need. Would, we would read it. We would read it. We might read it, honestly. Cody, he probably not going to read anything. Um, do you sit? Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> but speaking of Cody, now it's time for... Oh, Sports. <laughs> He said, oh my god. What the fuck was that? It just gets longer and longer every time. Pause. That's what she said. That's what she said. S- That's the name of the episode right there. Bro. It just gets longer and longer every time. Hey, Pinocchio is a ladies' man. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll fuck with that. <laughs> Put that in the chat. Pause. Right? No, oh, God. Talk about, talk about basketball. Go ahead, boy. Basketball? Okay. Giannis has passed Kareem, Abdul, and Jabbar. All three of them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> For a franchise leader. In- <laughs> Stupid ass. Alright, bro. Alright, let's focus. For a franchise leader in points for Bucks history. Woo-hoo. With 14,000 something and counting, you know, because it's just ongoing. Yeah. I like stuff with those threes. Yeah. Yeah. Milwaukee Bucks. Yeager. My girl got. Oh man! But shout out Giannis for uh for getting it done, man. I um he really should be MVP if he is. Um, I keep hearing it's gonna go back to what's his name? Joker. Joker. Yeah. yeah. So he so so far 
Jokic is uh, number one in the um, what do you want to call it? this? The yeah. MVP ladder. Yeah. Um, for the season and um, with that game against the Nets, um, that brought the Bucks or sorry, that brought Giannis up to number two, and then you got Embiid, Tatum, and Booker. But yeah, um, yeah, uh, Giannis balled out for that game. He got 44 points. He got a, I think it was at halftime. He got a buzzer beater three pointer. Yep, yep. Um, he, was... he even said that he wants to break that narrative of not being like a running and dunking guy, which I think is awesome because it's like you know push yourself, don't let them put you in a box kind of thing. Because to pimp a butterfly, right? Right. <laughs> What's a um, box? It's funny though because like you know. Kobe, Jordan, the same person, right? But, like, I, I was watching, sometimes for motivation, I watched, like, a lot of their videos on YouTube, and I saw this one um, Jordan story where I forget what, uh, I don't know if it was a Utah coach, some coach, he was, like, he said in the paper that um, Jordan, when he was getting a little older, stopped going in the paint and stopped dunking and stuff like that, and he just keeps shooting. He said, like, he's afraid. He doesn't want to get hurt and blah, 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 and, you know, and maybe in hopes for like Jordan to try to do that so like his team could stop Jordan, you know. And you would think that Jordan would be so stubborn and that he'd be like, "Oh, now I'm gonna dunk all over his eyes." <laughs> but he was just shooting from outside and kept making it and won that game. It's like that, which I'm like, huh. I really thought that that would have made him like dunk on him and stuff like that. And not like, I'll show you. And instead, he was like, you know, I'm gonna shoot from keep doing what i'm doing and show you that it's working kind of thing which i'm shocked about but this that just reminds me of that with this Giannis thing where he's like no i'm gonna tell uh, show the world that i can do anything you know right for sure for sure and i think you know i was talking to somebody on facebook about this man it's it's crazy to think that Giannis has the potential to like he's already amazing but the way he keeps changing like he's one of those superstars Adapting. that you really get. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he just wants to get better. He just wants to get better. He just wants to. And when he, he says it in interviews, they ask him, and he's, like, really humbly saying, I, I could always get better. That mm. is, like, you know. I well, always, he's still young in the grand scheme of things, too. Yeah. And like, he, you can tell he progressed immensely. I mean, he did get most uh, improved player, too. Right. It, like, he is he is an insane talent. And. You know, I always knew we had a good player in Giannis. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I could tell. You could all tell years ago, like, the way he just started to turn the Bucks around. But seeing, like, where he like where he is now, like, I really see, like, it's it's more than just having – because there's tons of superstars. You know, you get them all over, all across the board. You Allen Iverson, the T-Mac, to Vince Carter, all superstars. Jason Kidd. And you got the, the GOAT, you know, the Michael Jordans. From them to Scottie Pippen to Gary Payton, but but Giannis is becoming one of those players that you put in that top bracket. And when I say that, I'm talking about he has the potential to be Kareem, Michael, LeBron, Kobe. He has the potential to be one Shaq, one of those guys. You know what I'm saying? Like so funny, yeah, funny that you said that because I was thinking two things. Well, yeah, I guess one that's based on exactly that. Um, there's that Kobe interview where he said that he was asked um, if if Shaq had your work ethic, how would he be? And and Kobe responded saying the greatest of all time. And Shaq would be the first one to tell you that, like he said it before. And I'm like, dude, I'm pretty sure Giannis has Kobe's work ethic, you know? 
Right. And he's got the size of Shaq kind of thing, like, and the dominance. And he shoots better, I feel like, you know? Yep, yep, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's just, in, he's in a just, it's just insane, man. It's just insane. So I just... <clears throat> Shaquille O'Kupo. <laughs> <laughs> Shaquille O'Kupo. That's really dumb. That's probably a Greek name. I don't, I mean, right, right, exactly. It sound, it Nigerian sound, name? It sounds Greek as hell. It sounds Greek as hell. So, but I don't know, man. I, uh, I could appreciate that, man, like how... Just how he wants to get better at all times. That's important. That I think is just insane, mm-hmm. man. So shout out to and, him. And on Instagram, he had a video of him like doing. He had to do like a photo shoot on the. Uh, I don't know where exactly, but he was on Lake Michigan, you know. And he's like in between takes and stuff like that. He was saying to like his camera thing. He was like, "I'm trying to get players. I'm trying to recruit players. Like come to. My-. I'm like that's great too. You know he's gonna stay and he's trying to get other players to come here, and like he's the is role model the right word? Mm-hmm. He's like the yeah the 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 franchise player of the poster boy. Yeah, there we go, poster boy. It's poster boy. Um, <laughs> who's typing? Oh, you okay. can hear that? Yes. Yeah, oh my scratch. god! Should have known it was lead. You know, I know the reason. The reason I act. <laughs> no, the reason I act is because I put my mic on. I put my mic on mute to to finish. <laughs> sorry, <I'm> Mike. <laughs> sorry, I'm working on. Sorry, I'm sorry. Let me. I put my keyboard on maximum. <laughs> no, I put. No, no, I put the. I put the mic on. I got on an IMAX maximum volume. <laughs> I put the. I put the the mic on mute, but I realized that we're on a Skype call, so maybe y'all hearing it through yeah. the phone. Maybe. That's what it's like, Ron Mike. <laughs> well, no, they, it's not going to be in the Michael recording. Michael Boredom. What? <laughs> Michael Keyboard. <laughs> Keegan Michael Loud. I don't know. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so with that uh, win over the Nets, that was with KD being on the Nets. That was Giannis's fifth. He was five and zero against KD on the Nets. Did I say words right? <laughs> five and zero against KD when playing the Nets. Yeah. This don't sound right because they beat us in the in the, a couple games in the fucking. You talking about this year? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Uh, It'd be like that. Right. <laughs> Birds and shit. Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah, I think. Speaking it, of shit, Kevin Durant's skin routine. <laughs> I still apply lotion. You know what's crazy? When you said Kevin Durant's skin, I'm like, I don't like where this is going for, for Cody. <laughs> I don't like where this is going for Cody and our listeners. Something, um, something ashy. Okay, congrats to Johnny <laughs> Davis of the Wisconsin Badges for being named All-American with the Woodman Award. Go Badges. Badges, yeah. And um, milk. I don't know, I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I had this bad debate with with T.S. about the word that's spelled B-A-G. And he says it exactly how I say it, but he's denying it. And he's like, no, you're saying it wrong. He says that it's not B A. It's like it's not B A Y G. I'm like it's big, but he's like no because what did he say? He's like it's what miss you listen to rap music, so it's bag. But then he was saying big. I'm like okay, but you say fag, <laughs> <laughs> not fag. It depends on where you're from. Because <laughs> in Alabama you say brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh yikes! Like, Speaking of brother, what's up, brother? The WWE to host tryouts at WrestleMania 
That's hilarious. Wait, really? <clears throat> yeah, and actually, where did I take Extreme Camp Uh I thought I did. They, here we go. Uh, Cowboys players Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott showed up for the tryouts. What the fuck? Yeah, that's funny, huh? It's kind of like, bro, you better focus because y'all ain't one shit. You better focus. Yeah, they keep not doing stuff and then they're going to risk uh, entries or something like that. Yeah, dude, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, man, they're like Dallas Mavericks. Not even. Nah, not nah. like the Mavericks. Well, I would say, like, you know, there's... So, Triple H announced that he will retire from in-ring competition <laughs> after revealing he has a defibrillator in his chest following last year's cardiac event. Event. Oh. Event. Bag. <laughs> Bagel. Wait so, a minute. I, I heard that about Triple H. First of all, can I just say, shout out to Cody for doing sports and talking about wrestling because, yeah, I said wrestling. First and last, wrestling. Yeah, talk about wrestling because um, I like I like a little bit of, a little bit of wrestling. Um, but yeah, no, I, I heard that it doesn't was, matter. <laughs> we'll have the rock old. It doesn't. It it. Make it sports. Um, I think. <laughs> um, I heard thing about Triple H retiring, but I didn't know it was because he had a defibrillator in in his chest. That's. I didn't know you could have that in your chest. I thought that was like the thing that they shocked you with. You know how badass it would be if, you know, it was like hell in a cell and he ripped it out of his chest and threw, <laughs> like shoved it in someone's mouth. Like, oh, take that. That could happen, right? The same, like, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Jordan Poole from Milwaukee. Well, he plays for the Warriors, but, you know. So he had uh, 30 points, 9 assists, and he was 7 for 13 on three-pointers. And the Warriors win against the Heat. Ooh. Okay. 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 Um. Oh, yeah, go on. I was going to say, um, on uh, the West, it was, at one point, the Warriors were the number one seed, but they're not now. But um, somehow, Memphis, man, is having a year. They're second seed in the West. And I think, like, in terms of total wins, they're, like, third in the league. Crazy, it's crazy. I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. They might even be number two because I think they got like 53 <laughs> wins. Speaking of number two, shitty things. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No overtime postseason rule has officially been approved. Uh, both teams now, sorry, this is for the NFL, uh, <laughs> will now be assured of getting the football in overtime rules or overtime during the postseason. Uh, regular season overtime rules still remain the same. Okay, so in the play, so in the playoffs, everybody has to get the ball at least once. Yeah. Okay, so like, okay, so Pete, so let's say, boom, I get the ball, I score, foul. No, because you you won't, you're not in the NFL. Okay, got it. So <laughs> Dak, Dak Preston, Dak, what's his name? Dak Preston. They get the ball. He does something. They score. No, he's a wrestler. Okay, got it. <laughs> Triple H gets the ball. They score. Um, nah, he's a dead guy. No, like, yeet. Uh, he's a Mortal Kombat character. Um. <laughs> So let's say they get the ball, they score. The other team gets the ball, they score. Now what? <laughs> well, then the first team that had the ball gets the ball again. Oh, so now we got to keep, keep, keep playing the game? Bro, fuck this. Well, no. I'm sure it's like, well, yeah, you keep playing. But, I mean, it's I guess whoever, you know, Who if the, the second team doesn't up? score or if there's like a five-minute quarter or 15, you know. Because I was going to say – because I was gonna then say, say they, so if they both if they both score if they both score, 
then they get the ball back and, he, and this team does score again. Does that mean the other team now won because they were the one to score last or whatever? Because like we don't want to have to play a whole other game until somebody scores again. Like that's a that's a lot. <laughs> Sorry, Cody. So here's uh, something I saw that was very interesting and thought it'd be great to discuss or talk about. The NFL says. All teams must add minority offensive coach. Expands the Rooney rule to include women. So um, all 32 teams will hire a minority offensive assistant coach for the 2022 season. Um, uh, the coach can be a female or a member of an ethnic or racial minority. Well, what I'm about to say is kind of sucky because my niece just um, became one of the pod members. Once again, I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm sorry, darling. Um, once again, she just woke up too, man. You're gonna put again, this news on her. <laughs> once again, <laughs> oh god, this is gonna sound really bad. Once again, the person is gonna benefit from affirmative action because that's what that is. White women. That's well, gonna. That, I, I, and I and I get and I get it. Women are a minority, and they, I get it. But affirmative action more so. If you look at the numbers, it's been more beneficial. Not for like not men so. are the minorities. I think there's like 52% of women population. But go on. <laughs> but, uh, no, but affirmative action like is like there's a, they're a minority in a sense of right. Exactly, exactly. They're a minority in the sense of like the work in the places in which they need to insert people. They are. Um, they're low in, in numbers there and so what things like this or affirmative action will help to do is it won't really create uh, any racial balance it'll it'll balance out a little bit more for women in particular oh she's clapping back he said no you no 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 but Who yeah. runs well? right <laughs> Um, but yes, yeah, so I mean, this is this sounds good. It sounds great, and I hope that you know we all utilize it, and hopefully, like they get like an Indonesian like coach to do something on the Dolphins or some shit. But like, I don't think, I don't think it's gonna get us what we want to, you know, what we really want. Not to say that we don't want white women, and you know how plays. Of course, you do. I just think um, well, when, you, when you he said, well, listen here. No, no, I'm saying <laughs> they said women. You're like, not saying we don't want white women. Like, no, they just said women. <laughs> they just said w- women in general. <laughs> Speaking of white women, no, just women. <laughs> so, yeah, my thing is like, okay, so obviously there's been a lot of stuff going on as of lately with, you know, head coaches, assistant coaches, whatever, not being um, black and yeah. – now there's some teams that are, I don't say change it, but there's getting more like assistant coaches or head coaches that yeah, are, for sure. um, I think the Steelers is one, um, Brian, uh, what's his name? No, sorry. Bruce Arians, uh, head coach of the Buccaneers is moving from head coach to the front office. And so Todd Bowles, who is um, black, is moving as head coach. I think he was assistant coach. This is for the Buccaneers, um, Tampa Bay? Yes, oh, sweet, yes. Sweet, sweet. And I thought, I could be wrong, but I thought that there was like a, I don't know, it was Texans or Cardinals was another one. Um, but my thing is like, yeah, that's, I mean, obviously like for the diversity aspect, 
I'm kind of torn with them trying to force it though. Like it should be natural. Now I feel like it's, if you take it this step in the long run, it'll be more natural, but you know, I feel like it shouldn't take like a rule to be like, Hey, you have to, you know? Right. And I, and I agree. But when you, when you have, um, this is the, like the kind of the, the back and forth, like the dichotomy or like the little, like, uh, kind of rock in the hard place we end up in. We don't want it to be anything unnatural. <laughs> Looking at we don't want it to be anything unnatural, like Michael Jackson's skin. We don't want it to be anything unnatural, but without these rules, they we don't even get into the room in order to make it like well, we have, you know what I'm saying? Like in order to yeah, it's to, like right. How they have to have a a legal law in place for like racial discrimination in the workplace right. or yeah. to desegregate like, schools. Now that it's 2022, and now they're gonna have a rule that says that lynching is a hate crime, like or whatever they call it. I mean, yeah. really? That never yeah, happened. What? Right, exactly. <laughs> it's a, a t- t- 2022 to be like lynching. We should stop that. To like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. Like, why did that start? You're like, all right, guys, it's been enough now. Right. Gas prices are pretty high. We should. Wouldn't feel bad about something if you don't feel like it's a human. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So. I get, I get what you're saying. You want it to be, you want it to be natural, but you kind of got to give motherfuckers a kick in the ass a little bit, and then hopefully right. after like ten years or so, I mean, I, I hope it don't take ten years, but you want it to be where they'll just be seeing the talent, the women or the minorities or whatever that can do this job. You know, the people in wheelchairs yeah. that could fucking you know <laughs> coach football, all that shit. You know, you want it to be like. You know I don't mean? think a wheelchair has anything to do with coaching, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 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 I don't want to be an ableist, you know what I mean? I don't even, I don't even want that, know what that is, to be honest. But, hey. Cain and ableist. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, to me, I'm thinking, though, like, um, you know, how there's a lot of old people that are stuck in the past mindset, you know? Yeah. And then us young people are more open-minded with things. So it's like, we, you know, yeah. I guess we've already said enough. But <laughs> yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> Shout out so, to minorities. <laughs> yeah. So so the Source Awards were last weekend, huh? Wait. What? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait. I was like, wait, huh? When them bitches come back? <laughs> like, them shits yeah, are well, dead. Just <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, 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 no. He definitely got jiggy <laughs> with it. Um, I mean... So this, was that the transition? Are we going? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I was gonna be like, speaking of women, lotto, and right, then exactly. you'd be like, no, that's in two weeks, and I'm like, right. you're in two weeks, and then you'd like end call. So <laughs> I got you, I got you. So the Oscars, in which Will Smith smacked the fuck out of Chris Rock, took place on Sunday in L.A., I believe. But you know, la 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 la. Right, <laughs> la la land. It took place in L.A., but you know. What LA does not have right now, a stronghold on hip hop. So, in about a week ago, famed ghostwriter and uh, MC Skills. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Skills. Is. A lot of people don't know who Skills is. Skills is like um, an MC from Virginia. Um, spent a lot of time ghostwriting. He's like probably one of the most like uh, I don't know like well known. Skills, yeah, like skills. The- not the dude from Milwaukee? Not the, not the, there's two skills. Sorry, skills from Milwaukee. No. Oh, okay. The original skills, who's older than us, he's like 
late 40s, early 50s, like then they're probably mid 50s. Um, and he was actually the first so doing older than most of us. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> he is was he was actually funny thing. He was the first guy doing like the year. You know how now Uncle Murder does the end of the year wrap up where he like wraps what happened throughout the year. Boy, these names. Oh. <laughs> Boy, these hey, names. Bring... <laughs> Are they bringing back some memories for you? Throw open that old yearbook. He said, "Boy, no, these... they're retarded like you are." <laughs> <laughs> He said, touche. I mean, touche. Touche. Two chains. Um. So yes, Uncle Murder now does it, but Skills was the like the first rapper who started doing that. Um. Man, I'm gonna go back and listen to some of them early 2000s or like mid 2000s. Um. I think Uncle Murder's been doing it for about 10 years now, but before that, like around like 2000, 2001, I think Skills has started doing that. Um. Man, anywho, Skills. Famed uh, ghostwriter um, within the industry, he tweeted, he was in the barbershop, and they were having a conversation, the classic barbershop debates about hip-hop, in which they asked, they said, who has had... Who is better, Jordan or LeBron? Kobe. Um, In which they asked, um, who has had a, in terms of total years, who has had a longer stronghold on hip-hop? And so when he explained why it's New York, who skills? I didn't. I didn't go back to his tweet to see what he was talking about. <laughs> but um, we, were, we started having a little debate in our pod. So next week, we I'm didn't gonna, start a debate. You started a six-minute dialogue on. And <laughs> I am going to. No and I am to. now to. I am now going to give the people that six-minute dialogue, which you did not listen to. <sighs> but we're gonna. Here's the thing, Atlanta, New York. Uh, who has had total years a larger stronghold on hip hop? So the keyword is stronghold. I think before we go into this, we need to define that word stronghold. Okay. So stronghold to me means which originated from New York, by the way. Your word. <laughs> your when you have a stronghold on something, it means you control how it happens. Okay? So you think that Atlanta controls hip hop? How it happens. Yes. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the people the timeline. But Cody does not Cody says New York and we're gonna we're gonna hash this out right here. Right here today. And Russell is also gonna put his two cents in because he's been quiet and I wanna know how he thinks exactly. Um so in the dialogue in which I gave them, I started by saying this. Hip-hop started in New York. We know this. Everyone knows it. We... Exactly. She... Listen. Listen, man. In, in 77? 78? Um, technically, okay. So 73? People, yeah, people, people say, I always say like 78, 79. People say um, 73, they were uh, already, you know, I think, I'm trying to think of the year that, that cool... That cool uh, DJ Cool Herc actually had that party. I don't know if that was seventy three or that was seventy eight, but um, so don't quote me on that. But it's it's been a thing where people were doing it like outside, like kids were just doing it as a as a culture since seventy three. Most people say seventy three, and it became a mainstream music thing that bust out in seventy eight, seventy nine when Sugar Hill Gang started doing their thing, um, and people started talking about it on the news and stuff like that. 
Um, so hip hop started in New York, in the Bronx to be exact. Then the eighties, because the home of hip hop is where it's in New York. The eighties were dominated, ran by New York. Those are the motherfuckers making the product. You know what I mean? Cookie, cut it, beg it, send it. Exactly, and they were doing a damn good job. You know, you if we have Ron DMC, we have Rakim, we have KRS One, we have the emergence of Def Jam, the first like real rap label. Like, come on, man, the East Coast had to lock down. In 88, something happens in L.A. <clears throat> N.W.A. emerges, okay? And from 88 until 96, which is really the death of Tupac and the fall of Death Row, okay? From 88 to 96... Is, after is NWA, L.A. really... Uh... Um, important in this conversation yes. or relevant? Yes, because okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. What happened after NWA, and it took and, and it, it didn't happen like overnight, but NWA came, gangster rap really starts, in the sense of how we know it. Um and the shift, the stronghold goes from New York to LA. California becomes the place that has a stronghold on rap. And when we say stronghold Again, we define it as control how it happens, right? That's what we said? That's what you said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Did, I mean, do, 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 do you guys disagree? I just want to know before we even get any further in this. Is that a, a fair I want to know how you're defining words so I can use your words against you. That's all I'm getting. Okay, got it. So, <laughs> he just, so he's just listening to debate. Got it. He's just ready to – not not lying. Got you. I got it. Um, uh-huh. Russell, did you... Because, I mean, you did say that um, Schoolboy Q from L.A., his music is more New York bounce. Okay, okay, but Schoolboy Q, so. Schoolboy Q came many, many years later. But listen... I, Atlanta listen. came many years later. That's okay, why yeah. I was asking when New York's hip-hop started. Okay, okay, I got you, I got you. Um, so, the, the stronghold in hip-hop went to LA. What happened? Not only were was LA selling way more records, way more records than um it, West Coast, way more records than the East. And this this doesn't just include like gangster rap, which gangster rap was dominated, they were selling more records, but even like people like fucking MC Hammer was from Oakland. So the West Coast was taking over. But but that sound though after Dre comes out and Ice Cube and the Chronic, that sound of LA became the stronghold because things started to sound like the West Coast. A lot of mainstream stuff from other areas started to want to get that funky groove in it. Okay? The stronghold was there because the culture shifted to sound like LA. Even Def Jam was on the brink of bankruptcy. And you know what that East Coast label did? They signed Warren G. He dropped the album that had regular on it and sold three million records <laughs> and brought them out of but he Warren G in the mid nineties saved Def Jam. We don't get uh, a fucking well, Jay Z DMX not he single, Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought well wasn't isn't Bad Boys under Def Jam or no? Nope, nope, Bad Boys is his own entity. His own entity. Um <laughs> And Rockefeller was under Def Jam. Yeah, Rocke- Rockefeller was under um was under Def Jam, yes. So mm-hmm. was uh, Rough Riders. No, actually, Rough Riders was not under Def Jam. DMX was under Def Jam and Rough Riders, but Rough Riders actually had the entire deal under Interscope. But that's a whole nother 
Hold on a thing. And good music was under Def Jam? Eventually, yes. Good music, yes. Um, a lot of, lot, Def Jam was the parent company for a lot of uh, great, Def, almost Def Jam was like the like the place you went if you wanted to have like, um, if you wanted, Holden hip hop. Right. <laughs> the place you went if you wanted to have a vanity label almost. Um, it was like, um, so if you, you know, Def Jam for a while, like you would, you would, your art would sign there and it would build a record label underneath it. Um, them and then Interscope did a lot of that uh, shit too, but Def Jam was just like handling business um, for a lot of artists, giving a lot of artists a label underneath that umbrella. Okay, so Tupac. Is, is Interscope technically New York? Interscope is on, on the West Coast, which which is why oh, it's it more okay. accessible to like Dr. Dre and shit, but in, Interscope right. has never been, Interscope is the home of a lot of known West Coast artists. It's the home of yeah. um, Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, and TDE. Um, that's where Death, uh, 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 Death Row... Death Branches. Was that, yeah. yeah. But 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 they signed... They've never been, like, only West Coast music, you know? Um, well, I know, like, like uh, they have their own... Or, like, branched out labels and stuff like that. Yeah. Even, like, Shitty Records and... Yep, yep. And all that stuff like and, that. So I, I don't yeah. know if... Uh, I thought, like, you know, that's a heavily West Coast, but I thought the Interscope itself was, like, from New York. No, yeah, the Interscope head offices are in Santa Monica, I believe, um, or Santa Ana. Santa Monica, New York. Uh, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Santa Monica, Nebraska, head ass. Um, Nebraska? <laughs> so, 96 happens. 96, 1996 happens. We have the East Coast, West Coast. Wait, before we even go to 96, just wait. 94. Now, mind you, the West Coast took over. Took over. Dr. Drake's new dog selling red, like, Death Row and the West Coast, they just shifted shit to the West Coast, man. 94. Biggie, Nas, okay? Nas drops Illmatic, which is critically acclaimed, but it didn't do the numbers. Biggie jumps out, comes out, um, drops his album, Ready to Die, fourth quarter, um, and it does a buku numbers. Like, it, it, goes, it, does insane, it goes insane, and it brings folk, it, it makes New York relevant again. Understand what I'm saying? LL Cool J had an album, um, uh, 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 14 shots to the dome in the early 90s. You know what it sounded like? It was all West Coast shit. Who the fuck told LL Kuji to have an album called 14 shots to the dome? Like the way even the album cover, like everything was uh, about that was West Coast influenced. Okay? Um, but that's what I say when I'm, that's what I mean when I say stronghold. They had a stronghold so hard that motherfucking LL Cool J, a staple in rap and New York yeah. rap, Made an album. Real quick, these kids need to shut the fuck up and give LL Cool J some respect because oh, yeah, they don't sure. know how good he was. Like he owned it oh. from '85 on. Like, yep. one of the best. Yep, for sure. No, and I, we definitely need to give LL his flowers. We not we gonna we not gonna skip past that. LL, LL actually has one of my is the uh, person who has my favorite hip hop record of all time, and that's Four Three Two One, which features uh, one of the first verses. Uh, mainstream versus from DMX. It was the first time we heard DMX on the mainstream record was four three two one. Uh, that was my favorite DMX verse. Um, R.I.P. the Legend. Um, it has Method Man, Red Man. It was the uh, the catalyst for the ca- cannabis beef between LL and, and himself and, and cannabis. Um, just one of the coldest records. One of my favorite beats. All of that shit. Eric Sermon. Shout out to him for the production. It was crazy, bunkers. But again, the stronghold was L.A. in '94. The relevance, because the relevance of New York had really fell in the early 90s, man. The niggas was, it was about the West Coast. 94, the streets is buzzing, you hear about Nas coming, he comes, 
it drops that pause and drops that album, Illmatic. And then Biggie comes and he, they bring relevance back to New York. But the sound had not really shifted just yet. Okay? It was still West Coast. West Coast sound was still the mainstream thing. But they made New York relevant again, but not a stronghold. Now, Pac dies 96. Um, Biggie dies 97, like six months later. Okay? What happens is that makes room for Nas to take over. It makes room for Jay-Z to take over. Um, Wu-Tang is going crazy at this time, dropping all of the what becomes classic solo albums. Uh, DMX is, gets signed to Def Jam. Late 97, drops his first album in uh, 98. Drops two albums in 98, which do crazy numbers. Um, you have, even have Ja Rule, who we like to overlook, but was a, a major, major player um, in the late 90s. Um, the sound and the stronghold quickly shifted to New York for the next few years. Niggas was coming out of the woodworks. New, the New York sound became a thing again. Okay? So the stronghold. But this is only for a couple of years. You, I give, I give the first 10 years of rap, boom. Um, you know, if we, if we say rap started in 78 in New York, but I give it 78 to 88 to, I'd even say 78, yeah, 78 to 88, New York had a stronghold. I'd even, I'd even be okay with saying 78 to 1990. 90s hit, Tupac come, all that shit, West takes over. West takes over, um, I would say, top of the 90s until 97. West takes over, okay? East comes back hard. And they take over for the next three years. Seven, um, eight, nine, and 2000s. They're there, and other people are coming in and blossoming too. The turn of the, the, turn of the century, something happens, okay? We get... Def Jam South. Yeah, but you also got like Jay Z. You got Fifty. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean Eminem, but, but he's not like. Right. Right. And 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 don't get it confused or twisted. In the early two thousands, Fifty Cent, Eminem, Jay Z, Nelly, Ludacris. Those are the five Wayne. people. Not in the early. Not in the early two thousands. Wayne eventually comes, but. In the first half of the two, from 2000 to 2005, Eminem, Jay Z, Nelly. So when did Carter Four come out? Carter or Carter Two. Carter Two came out in 05. In 04. In 05, December of 05, Carter Two. Carter One came out in 04. Sir, I'm gonna slap you if you're right or wrong. Carter said, Yep. Carter Two, 05. Carter Four, mm-hmm. or Carter One, 04. But Again, first five years, those five people. Okay? Okay, wow. Yeah, that's really... Okay. Now, in the midst of what's happening here, nobody's... Migos. So... He's talking 2000 to 2005. 2000 to 2005. Things are happening. But those are the five people. Ludacris, Eminem, Jay-Z, Nelly, and 50 Cent. Those are the five people that control... Like, the numbers are coming. If you're buying real, real records, like, going crazy, it's those five guys. 
Don't forget one biscuit. I'll I'll give you two thousand to two thousand three, because I think oh four is when Kanye started to take over. Yeah, no, oh four is when oh four is when Kanye dropped. But but Kanye was picking up, but Kanye didn't shift people yet to sounding like like he was there and he was doing the, and he did the numbers on that first album. His second album it escalated and then oh, graduation and oh eight was like more I don't want to say peak, but so a lot higher influence. He was definitely he was definitely doing his thing in 04. But he wasn't what we know until oh, until late registration and the George Bush thing and that hit and he became not only just Kanye, not only just a good ass not only the nigga that was, you know, like a high B list, he became one of the, the top niggas after late registration. So but you're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. He was doing his shit in 04. That was when and the top 04 is when um it was February of 04 when he dropped College dropout. So you not you're not wrong. But the sounds and shit and what people sounded like Kanye, that would ha- that would happen about a year later, like after 05. Now are we just talking mainstream here or are we talking about like the underground underground stuff too? So we talk so I'm 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 giving these numbers to show when Atlanta takes over the stronghold. And so these dates is to show where the sound is, like who's holding the sound. Right. Well, I understand. What you're I would saying. assume what, he's what talking saying. about mainstream. Okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, main. Yeah, mainstream. Yes. Because Sorry. I mean, even at this point, like, the underground was still heavy because you still had like most um, yeah, Talib, sure. yeah, making pl- plenty noise on the underground scene. That's why I was just trying to figure out if you just doing oh. mainstream or yeah, for sure. And and you definitely. I guess that would be underground. Would be the weak hold. <laughs> the weak hold. <laughs> it wouldn't be the foundation. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Underground. <laughs> Um, Rhapsody is the basement and shit. Um, <laughs> so, but 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 2000 to 05, there was no mm-hmm. niggas didn't sound, like 50 Cent had motherfuckers wanting to be gangster. Eminem had motherfuckers really getting in their bag with the lyrics and all that shit. Nelly had people bouncing around, you know. These taking their clothes off, right? Exactly, because it was hot in there. Um, mm-hmm. But but no nobody controlled like it during that time. It wasn't like niggas was sound like that was one of the, one of the greatest moments in hip hop because we had niggas from the, finally the Midwest getting off. Um, for we got I'm talking like two of the main niggas, uh, Nelly and Eminem are out of the Midwest. You got Missouri, you got fucking Detroit, you got the nigga from the East Coast, Fifty Cent going crazy doing numbers, um, controlling gangster rap. You got Ludacris from the South. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Um, you got Jay also. You know also from the East. The West have fell back at this point, obviously, because we get game in 05 and he helps to bring that back. But the sound wasn't owned by anybody. Now, what's happening in the background um, between 2000 and 2005? Person, Little John, okay? Little John <laughs> is... is I'm cr- saying the T's in there. Little John. <laughs> little, small, small Jonathan. Is that uh, Robin is, Hood's friend? <laughs> He is Robin Hood and Little John walking through the forest. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> He's in the background doing making beats for like Ludacris and other people in Atlanta because there's still there's still the sound that's happening with crunk music, and this is key because what happens after Lil John comes out? You got those motherfuckers in the mainstream, but people even in the mainstream are going to Little John, Nas, quick to back down, Brave Hearts. Had Lil John on a uh, tape or uh, album. Eminem and D12, another one of the heavy hitters, had Lil John on their 04 album. Lil John is becoming, and he is important to this, 
Little John's becoming Where, a, where's he from? Atlanta. He's becoming a producer that no matter what coast you are on, mind you, I just told producer? you. Yes, from Atlanta. No he matter. Just screamed a lot. Um, no matter what coast you're on, who you are, you're going to Little John for a beat. And this is key when we talk about strongholds, because what happens is then everybody starts going to a certain producer for a certain beat or a certain type of sound. Little John, after 05, and after being, you know, giving people beats, and we know who the fuck Little John is. You go to Little John, we want to get hype. He's dropping albums like, uh, what is it, uh, Crunk Juice and all this other stuff, and starting to shift the way people are producing. Even in, um, a person like T-Pain's album who comes out in December of 05, Rapper Turn Singer, the, you can see the influence and the sprinkles of Little John production and what he's been picking up. And, you know, he, he eventually goes on to work with Little John here and there too. But Little John's sound and crunk music, which actually, shout out to 3-6 Mafia because they really were the creators. But that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother topic for another day. Um, so this is going back to where <clears throat> I was saying in the group chat, we got to, for the definition of the stronghold, because now you're going back into uh, influence, you know, and and the re- oh, I just I, the three six mafia thing, but was just me it, but it falls in line with his definition because he's talking about controlling the sound. So the I, influence does affect the sound and how it's controlled. So yeah. that does still make sense. But I'm just, I get what I you're think, saying, Cody. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're tied and related, but they're not the same, you know. Right, and I and I only brought up the I only bought brought up the um the three six mafia thing because I just thought about it. I've been thinking about that um uh, recently a lot too. Um, so Little John is a key figure in this because what what he starts to do is make people want to make crunk music no matter where you come from. Okay, Tim McGraw did it, and in <laughs> in making crunk music we get also snap music and you mind you during oh five oh six like after oh five. You have Ludacris winning the Grammy for Rap Album of the Year. He's from Atlanta um, for Release Therapy. You have T.I. who becomes a mega superstar overnight. Not overnight, but like becomes one of those top guys. That we, people, people do not give T.I. enough credit. That motherfucker had like three albums where he sold half a mil out the gate. That nigga is certified. He deserves way more credit than he ever gets. But the sound shifts. He, he brings Young Dro from Atlanta. And mainstream, even even rappers are starting to point it out. One Blood by the Game, a uh, song that came out in 06, he says, you turn on the radio, all you see is Atlanta, um, and this nigga snapping their finger. I forgot the exact line. Um, you better make up a dance, try to get radio play. You have Soldier Boy who comes out of Atlanta. You have Mr. Collar Park, not, not to mention Yin Yang Twins. All of these different sounds from trap music to, to snap music. Uh, we got D4L and Shorty Low and fucking all these different sounds are coming and mind you, these are multiple different types of sounds. You got crunk music, snap music, which is kind of like a variation of crunk music. You got the trap music shit. Um, you got Young Jeezy, who also become drops in 05. All this stuff happens after 05, where this flood of music coming from Atlanta takes over. But it doesn't just take over in the sense of, okay, now these niggas are selling records. It's taking over because people are going to those producers, Shorty Red. Uh, uh, Little John, um, Mr. Collar Park, they're going to Atlanta for all of those producers. DJ Toomp, all of these motherfuckers' sounds 
becomes the sound that people from New York, Houston, um, even LA, if you no matter you from the Midwest, I remember be, growing up and being in dances and parties and shit, and it, that sound is what motherfuckers was dancing to. But it was from every artist from every coast. And this is when you see the shift from 2000 to the late, from like 05 to the late 2000s. The sound shifts. Now. So 05 to 010? Or 010. Wow. 05, 2010. 05 to 2010 starts the shift in sound. But, but the thing is, Atlanta never lets go. Other people, other moments happen in the 2010s. And this is what I was trying to get you to understand. It doesn't, it doesn't, it does not go back to another sound. You have people who come out of New York, Nicki Minaj, ASAP Rocky, fucking whoever has come from New York. You have people that come from LA, uh, Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, J-Rock. And Schoolboy Q's, a lot of his shit sounding like, he, not all of his shit, not at all. And it wasn't even his main town, but he has a lot of New York influence because 50 Cent was his favorite rapper. But that's a one-person case in point. The majority of the production, because you get Metro booming and everything that happens with him and the Migos and QC, all based out of Atlanta, that sound takes, oh, 2 chains comes in, in 2012 and rebrands himself and becomes another, you know what I'm saying? Like, listen to Nicki Minaj's Bees in the Trap. That's another song that gives you an example. She's from yeah. New York, but that beat is a Atlanta influence, Atlanta made style of production. You're right there. It's also a very bad song. It's a. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Um, all in all, when people ask in terms of who's had the stronghold, um, looking looking right now, I say Atlanta is still a hotbed for the sound. I say if if we're talking about 05 being the start, that puts us at what? Um, 20, that puts us at 15, 16, about 17 years consistent running. If you think about New York, even being generous, if you think about New York from, you know, I say from 78 to even 1990, if I'm being generous, that's what, 12 years? And then they get like two or three more for shifting the sound a little, a little bit. Yeah, because honestly, I'd say to in the nineties, eighty-eight, like like once NWA came in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so all in all, I say the stronghold, and this is why. And if you want to rebuttal after this, or if y'all got something y'all want to chime in, I say the stronghold is Atlanta because the sound controls of Atlanta controls how hip hop is happening to the point where even producers like Kanye were using. Atlanta sounds on his out. He bring because Kanye West makes this albums is, in 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 like what is the word in community where he brings everybody in and he's like, okay, what do you want to yeah. add here? And he was bringing. Well, to this day, I still think he's a producer rapper <laughs> because yeah. I mean, there was I got uh, Siri into Kanye a lot late in her life, and yeah. but I think with Donda, I think it was that one. She's like, oh, I just it's good, I like it, but there's so many people on there. I'm like, well, he that's. I mean, like, yeah. look at Dre's albums. Yeah. You know, you, you're a producer. You put people on there. You say, oh, I didn't know that. And then yeah. I told her how he would, before he started uh, 
college dropout. He was producing for Jay Z and stuff like that. So, yeah. But here's my problem though with what you're saying though, because now this is going back into the influence part, and I get like I said before, there's a connection, but it's not the exact same thing with Stronghold and influence. Because I'm thinking like, yeah, there. It seems like you're making a very valid point for Atlanta being heavily the big influencer in hip hop. But I'm looking at these artists that you're talking about who are big in these areas and you're naming a ton of New York ones. So to me, I could argue either way with that, you know, I only, and I only named New York artists to point out that they came and used the sound of Atlanta for their biggest records. So, but so it's like they're, how can I put this? And so you're you're arguing two different points. So Cody, you're more focused on um, location of the artists as far as them having the stronghold because more artists are from this place, and McCoy's arguing arguing influence and sound, um, where right. that's the control of hip hop. So you're kind of arguing different points okay. and making different points. We're about both arguing things, different topics, but <laughs> you're yeah. Sure. <laughs> so you're kind of but, both right in this regard right. because you're arguing different topics. Okay. That's why I'm like <laughs> trying to ask more questions and getting more confused too. But it's like, it's like if you, if if uh, if you it's it's like to me it's like Wayne uh, hopping on other people's beats and then doing you know his own stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. You're not giving those other people's who had those sons in the first place credit. You're saying Wayne took control of this, right? Okay. But so, he, but McCoy is saying like this. Um, English people came to America, and Americans were already here. But since they came here and took over, right. now everything is American. That's what no, I was going to make said. that. I was going to make that <laughs> decision too. I'm with Christopher Columbus. <laughs> yeah. Try to stay away from that, though. Right, yeah, right. No, yeah, I, no. But but that's that's kind of what, and that's where um, in this way, is Christopher Columbus. That's I funny. think you know McCoy is. I don't want to say unfortunately, but he's right in arguing his point because you have a lot of people from these different places, but because they um, acquiesce to the new sound or the sound that's currently um, hot right now, it does give Atlanta that that prestige. So, okay, let me put it this way, though. So if we're doing this Christopher Columbus America perspective, so Atlanta would be the Native Americans and artists that are using Atlanta sounds are Christopher Columbus, right? Are we sure. all in agreement? Okay. Kind of backwards with what I was talking about, but yeah. No, I, sure. think he, I, th- I thought so, you meant, I thought you meant it in another way, like yeah, that's like New York, New York, no, New York are Native Americans, and they he took over, shit, and then Christopher Columbus came in. He saw from others, you know. Huh? Yeah. All I'm, I'm saying so, is I don't think that the Native Americans are considered a stronghold New York but... would be the Native Americans and Christopher Columbus would be Atlanta because New okay, York well, started this remember because that, that, was, that was what you said New York started this so New York would be the Native Americans and Christopher Columbus was like yeah y'all got something nice but we come from over here and this is how we do this and well, we're going to show no, you I think then, and makes it America if you put it that way I think then Native Americans is New York, 
and maybe the Mexicans are Atlanta because <laughs> they're not taking over. That's just they're doing their own thing and revamping. I'm being no, you colonize, right colonize. No, this is not. This is not. No, the Christopher Columbus. They're revamping. They're like, <laughs> I, I see your <laughs> riddle thing. Your corn on the cob and your turkeys, but we got a come here, Santa. Come here, Santa. Oh man. I um, but you know what, Cody um. I've never thought about the, you get it. You get the it. amount, the amount, <laughs> of, the amount of artists that come out of New York. I think they still have a hotbed of artists, but so I could see, I could see if we were art, if we were arguing number of artists. Even still, though, man, I mean, between '05 and now, the amount of people like from Young Thug to Rich Homie Kwan, Migos, who were the biggest group in rap for like the 2010s, motherfucking uh, Two Chains, motherfucking Ti was still doing this, like. All right, let's let's take a look right now. Oh, at, I don't know all these new these new rappers. I know some, but you you probably more know more than me. So, little baby, where's he from? Atlanta. Wow. Okay. Yeah, he is ugly. Um, <laughs> where's the other baby? The baby. He's down he's from, there he's from Charlotte. He's from Charlotte. Yeah, that's right. Which is right next door to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> Who's some other? Ones? I mean, I got a whole list: Donald Glover, Twenty One Savage, Gucci Mane, Ludacris. Hey, boy. hey, Ludacris. hey! Twenty One Savage, stop being right. Shut <laughs> up, shut man. up. <laughs> Big boy, Lil Yachty. Who's, who's Kendrick's cousin? Okay. <laughs> Kendrick's. Oh, he's from um, Las Vegas. Baby King. No, Las Vegas. <laughs> um, Mulatto, or Lotto, mm-hmm. she's going to by now. Atlanta. Oh, she since so she's just going by Lotto now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sell out. Where's Doja Cat from? <laughs> um, Doja Hell. Cat from <laughs> Doja, where the fuck is uh she's from uh, California, but like not LA. It's like one of them little side cities. No, one of the well, I just clicked on Apple Music and Selena Gomez's album is a little risque. Don't look at my phone, dear. Okay. <laughs> Dreamville. That's I guess you could tie that's, that into That's North Carolina. Atlanta. That's North Carolina. But wait, right. wait, wait, wait. J. Cole is North Carolina, but yeah. most of his artists are from Atlanta. Uh uh uh, J- uh Earth Game. Earth Game, yeah. yep, yep. That's that's three of them right there. Um he got some people from North Carolina, some people are from the West Coast, like Kaz is from the Kareem West Coast. Kareem Abdul Antrobon. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, man. I mean so at uh, L.A. has a strong. Got it. Got it. Got it. Man, it's funny thing. L.A. had a little bit of a renaissance. L.A. Vince since, Staples. He's more underground. I feel. Yeah, but Kareem he, Gucci, Gucci Mane. Yeah. Uh, uh, Atlanta for a sure. A weed bar. Wait, who who got a weed bar? I said Kareem should open up a weed bar and call it Kareem Abdul Ganja. So huh. would you go to like, hey, you want to go Kareem Abdul Ganja bar? <laughs> that sounded like E forty though. <laughs> <laughs> the way I said it. Speaking of E40, shout out to him and Goon, <clears throat> Goon with the spoon, his new ice cream uh, endeavor. That man is a fucking <laughs> right. He gonna make ice cream for us. Look at us. Um, <laughs> like I, I'm so my E40 impression is so bad. Um, Russell's has got the best. I can't even try. <laughs> I don't even want to try. <laughs> I got that vanilla on the spoon, cause <laughs> <laughs> it's that gulp. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I get what you were, where you were getting in terms of number of artists, but, but again, you got to tie in, there are a lot of artists that come out, come out of Atlanta too, because of the renaissance that they had in terms of the sound. So I guess if you, if you don't agree, 
I guess this is going to be one of those baits where we could we can agree to disagree, but my argument no, is just you. that they <laughs> that the sound is really ran by Atlanta. So so influence, got it. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Carnival. <laughs> right. Festival. R- Russell, I Russell so <laughs> do you do you think cuz it sounds like you said you, you kind of uh, agree with what I was saying? Do you think it's more based on artists, or do you think it's more based on who controls the sound? Um, I would, I would, I would argue the influence and sound control, um, because as both you and Cody have said, there have been many artists that come from wherever they come from, but they have to either adhere to the sound to make it, or try and create their own sound, which is seen to be very difficult. Um, it's only been very um, successful at certain with certain people, and we can we can kind of name those people on our hand on you know on, on like maybe one or two hands of who's come in and created their own sound and caused such a, a shockwave to happen in the um, the world of, of hip hop and rap. Yeah, um, that all damn boogies, the all damn booties. Yeah, and so um, I think it still comes down to who controls the sound, who makes it. Um, such a prevalent force that you have to listen to this. You have to be in tune with this or you can't really consider yourself being into hip hop. Right. I know this brings up to me another good, uh, kind of, I don't know if debate would be the right word, but to look at NBA players and the greats, even I guess current greats and where they're from. Cause there's a lot of foreigners that are really good, you know? Right. But see, and this is who we could say. This is what I would say when it comes to like NBA. The great, the the goat, to me, mm-hmm. is the one who holds the influence. So the, that's why Michael Jordan, for the most part, is the goat. Isn't gonna be the goat for a while because he's he. But see, he's the Atlanta one, and he Michael Jordan had a lot of influence. Yeah. people that. It, he looked up to that influenced him, you know? Yeah, Dr. So... And that, the and, New York rappers. Yep, exactly. Dr. J's and whoever the fuck else came before that he was looking up to. Well, no. Or, like, Bill Russell. Right, right. So, though, that's New York. They set the foundation. You don't get basketball where... Oh, this is perfect. They set the foundation. You don't get basketball where it being what it is without Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell and those guys. But, once Adam you, West. I mean, Jerry West. <laughs> Batman and shit. Um, <laughs> once you get Michael Jordan, he shifts some things. And now, motherfuckers are from LeBron James to Kobe Bryant to Devin. Bill- Maybe R- Michael R- Jordan would be LA and Kobe Bryant would be Kobe or LeBron would be uh, like Atlanta, probably Kobe. Hmm. No, I, st- I think Kobe might be LA because he's the one that came, he came in, made who? Late. Fitting. That's fun that he would be LA. Um, he came in, definitely influenced some shit. Definitely had his moment, and motherfuckers, we can pretend like he don't. He's not in critical to the history, but motherfuckers like skip over. It, but people won't let you skip over Kobe. They be like, no, nah, we gotta go back and, you know, the West ain't never had a stronghold again since they had it. You know, in the early nineties, we get we get West Coast artists. That happens, but they haven't had a stronghold in terms of their sound being the thing that people want to sound like. Since the 90s. I think Kobe had his moment. 
and he developed a few stars, but people like to overlook him or they don't give him his credit for having that moment that he had. You know what I mean? Like he did his thing. Even even how he did his thing, went away for a little bit and then came back in the late 2000s and won two more rings. That's kind of what the West, the West had their stronghold, went away for a little bit. Then you get Kendrick uh, in the game and Kendrick in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Like it, they come back in waves and shit. So I would say... Jordan. It's funny because they also had like East Coast West Coast rivalry with Magic and Bird. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. See, don't want look beef, beef, man. But uh, all in all, that's why I say Atlanta got the stronghold. But when we drop this episode, we really need y'all. I want to have a debate about this in the comments, man. When y'all hear this, Charles, Danny, D- Danny, Donnie. Sorry, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> Charles, IBA Danny. Uh, Charles. S U P U R R D U P U R. Super duper. All oh, y'all a pelican on the wire or whatever. <laughs> um, I wanna I wanna know what y'all think because this is a not this is not the first time this topic has come up and it won't be the last. But I think it's an important topic because hey man, somebody got a stronghold. Who is it? Who is it? But now it's time for Russell, Russell hates Jada Pinkett. Russell hates Jada Pinkett. He don't like her ass. <laughs> Alopecia. <laughs> like <her>. Orville dead. <laughs> <laughs> um. So intuition. Uh, <laughs> first. Lover uh, expected. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> that's not bad TV. That's right. Funny. Exactly. What you know? Cause he just want to get this like. Uh. So first, shout out to um Cody for finding this link and sharing it in the uh, group chat. Uh, MKE Black. Sharing local home. Oh, no, no, don't do that. You said you didn't want to do that. <laughs> Private, no privately, don't, don't community-based, and uh, black-owned businesses um, that you can support. Um, they also have their own app, which you should now be able to access via Android and the Apple um, uh, stores. Um, and they really keep you up to date with upcoming and established local entities to support. Um, they recently spotlighted 10 businesses and I really hope they continue to do so to bring these not so well known enterprises to the forefront. So make sure you check them out again. That's NKE Black. Um, that is their website. And you can also go um, and support them via the app. Um, so, with the Oscars thing, most every podcast and junior analyst is giving their take on what happened, why it happened, what they should have done differently, what they would have done in that position. Jada's a bitch, Will's a simp, et cetera, et cetera, ad nauseum. Um, and I didn't want to get into the specifics of, of what happened, uh, nor do I really want to analyze things in that similar manner. Um, if you haven't seen it, and I don't know how you haven't seen it or heard about it by now. Um, I live under a rock and I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube's free and most everybody got a phone. So um, what caught my attention and, and kind of what we've been talking about in the group chat um, is the health status of both these individuals, Will and Chris, and how it, to me, is a representation of men in general, and of course, um, most black men in particular, and how our mental health, although there are programs and things being in place and and continuing to be on the rise, is not as prioritized as women, um, women's mental health and mental health recovery and things of that nature. Um, So getting into that, I wanted to ask you two, um, what are some typical things you've heard or read regarding men growing up and still to this day that you found to be not true or misguided? And I'll give y'all an example of, of kind of what I mean. Um, one of the things that 
I still hear and, and I've heard all growing up, um, especially in, in my culture, is real men don't cry or show emotion. I was just going to bring that up. Mm-hmm. That was the big uh, one. You know, whereas I found that it's usually the men who don't cry or show emotion that are usually the most emotional and most emotionally unstable. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you've seen uh, for those listeners, you've seen the um, the Oscar fiasco, um, which sounds like a boxer. Um, Will is <laughs> Will is the is in this case the perfect example of that. Um, we know he's been under a lot of scrutiny, and the memeage lately has been crazy. And then uh, he acted more stupidly. Right. <laughs> um, and due to the antics of G.I. Jada uh, and her menagerie of red furniture, um, we know he deals with a lot. He deals with being in the shadow of Tupac um, and the shadow of Tupac looming over their lives. He even talks about it in a couple of different interviews. I think we shared one in the group chat. Um, but there's many instances where Tupac's name is brought up um, regarding his and Jada's relationship. And you can tell that he's really emotional still about it. And there is some jealousy there, um, which in my in my opinion would be the main reason why you wouldn't want to get with somebody if they still have this fixation and fascination with some other person. That's just me personally. Right. Yeah, and I can't imagine being in Will's shoes thinking like this whole thing, like if, if Pac was still alive, would me and Jada still be a thing, you know? Right. But she just chose, eventually chose him over me. Right. Well, and the thing is, um, you know, he said he kind of had like a little uh, tiff with Dog because of it, because they kind of mm-hmm. basically grew up and were <laughs> in love. But because Jada's such a terrible fucking person, um, <laughs> instead of being with the person you love, you was with Will Smith because he was at the height of his Fresh Prince you know, fame and shit, like, that's, mm-hmm. that's fucked up to me, but as we see on this, uh, this pod a lot, um, hypergamy is something that's really real that women uh, oftentimes go for. Right, right. I, um, man, I'm trying to think of one that I often hear um, that men are supposed to do. Uh, I'll be the breadwinner. Yeah. Mm. That one. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. And that, and you know what's crazy? Um, it's one of those things where I find it funny that they be like, "Man should be the breadwinner," but then it be those like those same people who feel so adamant about that be the ones that be like, "Gender and we should," you know what I'm saying? It be it's, there's a like. Don't get me wrong. There are women who are okay with the man being a breadwinner and then them being stay at home mm-hmm. wife, but there's a lot of people who don't want to. They don't want their relationship to be balanced in the sense of, like, they want one of them to have old values. Okay, my man should pay the bills and do all this stuff. Yeah. Traditional values. But mm-hmm. then they want to be like a fucking, ooh, in the 90s, kind of way. Right. They want to mm-hmm. be like a, a different, you know, they don't want to do the things that will require or should be, would typically be required of them in that relationship. But they want the, the other person, and it's just not it's not just men mm-hmm. or women. There are a lot of people who want like there are men who want women to have traditional values, but they don't want to. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not willing to take on the the burden or the or the the not burden, but take on the role of being the breadwinner and bringing home the bacon, mm-hmm. quote unquote. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. that that's a super super big um 
super big one is man should be the breadwinner. And I've had um, this conversation with a few different female friends um, who have expressed to me that um, they want a man who will take care of them. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, you kind of want this traditional um, lifestyle household. Is that what you're saying? And then they'd be like, well, I'm like, well, you can't have it both ways, you know, because one does not work with the other. Um, It has to be an either or thing in this case. Uh, Otherwise, you have to compromise. And so, you know, because I'm going to tell you this, if you want the cat to be the breadwinner or or bring home the bacon or whatever you want to make, then you better be good at making breakfast or sandwiches (laughs) because that's what is going to be required of you. Like if I'm going to be out most of the day, um, two thirds of the day working and trying to support this family with all the money I have, as well as uh, afford you money to do with what you want, then house need to be clean kids to be taken care of food like there's stuff that in that traditional frame needs to be taken care of on your end if i'm over here doing this like even those cats who worked like like crazy to support their family on the weekends they're mostly fixing things and and doing you know doing the traditional husband stuff but they still expect the traditional wife things from the woman and so it's like you know people always chiding men for wanting that 50 50 when honestly in this day and age it is more intelligent to go that route because of the price of everything being so much different than it was in those traditional days that um, you you almost can't really have a traditional um, way of living unless you are making six figures, seven figures because of how things, how much things cost. Wow. Yeah, that's, that is true. That is true. I mean, the, 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 I've seen somebody just say this actually this morning. They were like, man, with the cost of everything, it's almost better to have a partner. So that way, you know what I'm saying? You can keep your head above water type of shit. But, yeah. And, I, and I've said this many times, you know, um, with the whole um, traditional independent things, like as, as you know, and I, pr- and I push this, you know, priest, prophet, king thing all the time on here. Um, so I'm not going to go back and break that down. But my thing is always this. I'm willing to work with whoever is willing to work with me. Um, I already have my shit taken care of. I already have a place to live, a car, food, bills taken care of, and a, a reasonable oh. amount of comfort that I You do not have everything because you're still waiting on that PS5. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm comfortable. You know what I'm saying? That's a luxury. I'm comfortable. But everything is taken care of. Um and I can, can survive, get that but you're PS5 not happy. when they actually have it in stock. So that's not something that really is my <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it's no. now like basically like nine to eleven hundred dollars. That's much. Right. Depending on where you look for it, yeah, it's crazy. And so the thing is, anybody that I'm allowing to be into my life as far as a partner is now a liability unless they prove otherwise, because I already have everything taken care of. So I'm picking up another quote unquote bill, unfortunately. Because that's how I have to look at it, because you're taking away from my time and my money-making abilities and the surplus of income that I have to add yourself to my situation. So if you're coming in thinking that I'm going to take care of you, then there's a lot of things I need to change. (laughs) One is my mindset, because I'm not going um, (laughs) unless I have the ability to do so. You know what I mean? No, for sure. For sure. For sure. Man, I'm trying to think. Okay, so I want to go back to the question at hand. Mm-hmm. You said, what are things that we've heard about? Um, heard, read, experienced. That, um, that, as men far are supposed as... to, that men are supposed to do emotionally? 
or just right. supposed to be supposed to do um, those, another those, one. those stereotypes that are um, man based. <laughs> oh, um, <clears throat> that they're supposed to do like a manual manual work uh, in terms of like uh, being able to like build, create, you know, like cut the mm-hmm. grass, take out the garden, like those those types of things. You can build me a sandwich. Right, right, right. And which, which, and, I, and this is just coming from me. This is coming from me. I like doing that type of shit. Like, anytime I've built or, like, use, like, use tools, I get really excited. Like, I don't, yeah. that's just a personal thing. But I don't mm-hmm. think, like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I could rather, I could really just pay somebody, <laughs> pay somebody mm-hmm. to, to do this for us. And I think that's one of those things where it's like, um, sometimes, Sometimes it, it becomes a thing where people, and I've seen men and women say this, where, like, why you can't just, you know, why you don't know how to do it? Or, like, bro, you less of a man if you pay somebody, like, yeah, like, yeah. what? Bro, like, why do I, I don't want to have to learn so, how to be a plumber? Like, what yeah. the fuck? Like, you're not, you're really not less of a man. But the thing is that, or my thought process is, like, I'm not against paying somebody for, doesn't matter the job, but it depends on what it is where it might be better to, do it yourself in the fact of one, you could save money. Mm -hmm. And with that bonus uh, added, you know, it just coincides that uh, you're learning something too. And then if this problem ever happens again, you already know what to do. And it's and before the first time it took you two hours to do it. Now it'll take you half an hour because you've done this before. Right. But you also have to, to, to um, weigh the risk versus the reward, because if Mm -hmm. it's something simple, simple, like um, maybe just, replacing the, the plate cover on uh, a light fixture. That's something simple that's not necessarily a hazard, um, especially if there are no, no, no exposed wires. It's usually just unscrew one thing, put the plate on, screw it back on. Um, but in the case of, say, something like um, uh, your water's not running and you've tried everything that you know to get the water running, then that would be something that I would leave to a professional because well, I could of course, do a lot tried more damage. So. Or, yeah, but okay. I could I do a lot more damage um, by tinkering and trying to figure out and learning it, um, then yeah. taking it to a professional to do so. Um, like I replaced my, uh, my own headlights and my own, uh, uh, rear lights before. Um, I know how to do it. Will I do it again? Probably not because I was fucking a lot of work and it was, uh, so, so you know this, what I'm yeah, this, sure. uh, past fall. Um, so I, I got, I had a, I got a lot of like accessories or whatever you call it, call it mm-hmm. for, uh, the truck. And one of them was, uh, runner boards, like the little steps that go mm-hmm. on there, you know, mm-hmm. And I, uh, first I had to go to my mom's cause I didn't have a socket wrench that big for these. And it's basically three bolts or sorry, six bolts total, three on each side that connect the body of the frame to the truck. And you take those out, put the runner boards in and then put back in. I, it took me like maybe 40 minutes to get one screw out. Cause it was so hard and it was just, Oh my god! And I was like, you know, what? I'm putting it back in because I I can't take these out and then uh-huh. try to drive the truck. Like it's not gonna drive. Right. It's gonna come off, you know. So I called my buddy and he helped me. But oh my, that was such a pain and that yeah, like. Yeah. But here's the thing: those boards were, I think, 118 bucks. Mm-hmm. But if I paid, bought them somewhere and paid them to do it with the labor, I think I was paying like almost 600. Oh, yep, yep. So it was a pain, but I learned stuff, and, like, I did it for a lot less money. Yep, yep. And mm. that's the same um, shout-out the homie T.S., uh, who no longer cares about this pot, asshole. Um, <laughs> who and, cares? He supports. Um, he supports looking ass. Nah, um, wow. 
No, <laughs> um, nah, but shout out TS because in May of 2020, um, when the pandemic had just started and everything, and there was something wrong with my brakes, and I had just been furloughed, um, and I had a couple dollars. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, we worked together to change my brakes and brake pads and rotors. Um, which I had never done and I had never done, but buying the rotor and the brake pads and stuff, um, cost me like $150 where as opposed to if I took it to my, to my guy to do my brake pads and all that shit, it was going to cost me like five, I think like with labor, it would have been like, like $500. I saved like $300 just doing it myself. You know what and I, mean? I think it was like 2018 or 19. He came over because just to use our garage, um, cause he wanted to. I think put new speakers in his car. Oh, I remember. And yeah. maybe right, like we were kind of helping each other out. But like I taught him stuff, and he taught me stuff, and yep. I was like, oh, cool. Now I know how to take the door panel off of the door on the inside. And right. Take right. the side view mirror out. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. And and that kind of goes into this other point, um, as far as like showing vulnerability. Um, most men live under the standard that it isn't manly or masculine to ask or need help. Um, which blows my mind because that's usually the time you learn the most yeah, is when right. you ask for help because um, you can share experiences, share knowledge, and learn something that you probably wouldn't by just mm. being lost at something for an hour or so. And that goes <laughs> with that quote that I said on the group chat where it was like, you know, if you think that you know all there is to know, you're right because you're never going to learn anything more, you know? You're right. not putting yeah. yourself out there. And that's even going with being too stubborn or not, you know, playing it off like – Mm-hmm. Dude, you, you're gonna say like, "Oh yeah, I know how to do that," and you don't. You're never gonna learn because no one's gonna teach you. But exactly, yo, dead ass, dead ass. And that's why I've never been. I've never been. Um, even as a kid, like I was not one of those people that was like, would not ask questions. I've been around people who are just so afraid to ask a question, mm-hmm. or just so like. Sometimes it worries me how as humans we are because I've been around both men and women who are just so afraid to ask what they mm-hmm. might need help with or what's mm-hmm. going on. I've seen people be, hear someone talk. This is in the workplace. This is in, in class. I've seen people hear people talk and just nod and shit. And then be like, did you understand what they said? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, can you explain it to me? Because I'm like, they, I'm, and I'm literally thinking like, before this professor or before this boss went away or the supervisor, they asked, did you get it? Did you have any questions? And you nodded. I watched you nod. <laughs> that, that makes me so angry. Because why right. are you, you're so, so and I understand, people, I understand people have anxiety and can be self-conscious and all that shit, but you're so self-conscious that you would rather potentially fail as opposed to when they ask a question instead of saying, nope, I still don't get it. Like, Mm-hmm. That doesn't. I don't like when humans do that because that just lets me know our mindset is so. It's it's all about what people think of us and not about the actual task at hand or being or development or being better. Or and these are the type of people who who have children and bring them in the world. And you're gonna can you're gonna teach that habit to that mm-hmm. child to mm-hmm. not to not reach out like that's a, that's. Detri- that is like mad detrimental, bro. It's like one of those things that just really- never stop learning. Yeah, you can't, bro, because you don't know. There's a whole world, man. We know nothing, bro. That is what. That is like what. That's like my go-to idea. I don't know shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's that pie chart of so big. It was like things that 
it's like things that you think you know things that you actually do know yep. and then all the things that you could know you know stuff like that yeah um, i remember too like in this job in my job for uh back when i started during training and i was asking like the most questions and then i would ask questions about things that are more not really relevant to i want to say relevant didn't really apply to our job department position but it was like other departments and stuff like that and i'm hearing other people that are in training to like sign i'm like are you kidding me right now like <laughs> i want to know how everything works yeah maybe that makes my job more efficient or easier yeah now, now i know why i do this or this is what, and now i'm yep. doing one of the most numbers <laughs> it's like yeah I think one of the best things I learned at this current job is not necessarily being able to remember everything, not being being able to um, say I know everything, but being able to locate things. So um, we're very policy focused. So being able to locate things in policy or know where to look um, is usually the better knowledge to have than to know something. Um, That's what I tell a lot of people who... um, you know, try to read the Bible and try to memorize all the the the, um, the scriptures, the things of that nature. I'd be like, yo, if you could do it, God speed to you, good good on you. My memory's not that great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I that's the exact reason why I keep rewatching the same videos on YouTube like over and over again. You know, <laughs> oh, <yeah, that>. repetition <laughs> too. Discover the same memes and things, and they, and they still make me laugh because it's like I've rediscovered something. Yeah. But it's it's well, better no, to saying, be able like, to find something. Like the like uh, how you're saying about the Bible, I'm saying like um, videos on Stoicism or with uh, Buddhism or stuff like that. You know, yeah. it's like these le- life lessons to learn. It's like yeah, I've learned them once and they were I applied them to my life, but then I say so start watching movies or anime for a long period of time and then I forgot these life lessons and <laughs> I'm getting more irritable. Like I got to get back into this again. Yeah, no, <laughs> Boy, sure. that's right. For you sure. did see that. Yeah, for sure. And and with with that, most everything you know, you have to do consistently for it to you know develop into a habit, as they say. Um, the thirty days, the forty five days, however many days it takes for you to ingrain it into yourself to continue with something. Um, but the best thing about that is that you recognize right away, like, hey, there's something that I used to do that I don't do anymore. I need to get back to that, and that's what the most important thing is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, actually. It was like a week, week and a half ago, maybe, maybe a couple of weeks ago. Um, Siri and I had a talk, and she was just saying like how I'm a little more. I want to say I don't know, if I forget what word she used, but and or like it's basically like irritable or not as patient or negative. I think was the big one. It's like this, and I'm like yeah, and but then and she was saying like I don't know, not to get too deep into it because I don't want to, you know. But uh, what really caught me was. Um, she said, I wouldn't be doing my justice as your best friend if I didn't speak up and say something to let you know. And like, I was already like, uh, and then as soon as she said, as I was expecting to say, like, as your fiance, as your soulmate, as your girl or something like that. But when she said best friend, I could not stop just tearing up. And I'm like, man, this is like true. caring about it's not like like, hey i'm mad at you because you're being so negative it's like okay you're being a little negative what's going on so i can help you out and like you know i want to get you on the back on the right track where you used to be right it's not a a naggy thing it's hey i care about you right right and i think um when we look at things from um a different frame a different perspective because you know like i said we always have 
our own perspectives and own perceptions to things um, when we learn to not initially um, judge things or try to put our take on things and just take things at face value, um, I think we'll be able to see um, a little more than we would with that frame in there. So we take that frame out and we um, we try to just take things at face value um, instead of just assuming um, things because we always always know how that assumption thing goes. Um, you know, you make asses. Um, and an ass maker. <laughs> <laughs> and so that goes to once again the whole showing vulnerability, being a master of your emotions. Um, Jeff Peterson is one of uh, I think this is fucking name. This is Jeff Peterson. No. Peterson. The, doc, the the doctor Peterson. Pe- um, Jordan Peterson. Um, Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, I always kind of want to call him Jeff. I think Jeff is a my name is uh, Jeff. A comedian. Um. So that may be why. Um, but Jordan uh, Peterson uh, is famous for saying that you should be a monster under control. And I like the analogy he gives, or the, um, the, um, the advice he gives um, to young men. He's like, um, <laughs> you should be working your hardest, your damnedest, um, to go as far as you can, as best you can, as, as, as greatly as you can, but still be able to um, have that under control. You should still have that emotion control. You should still learn how to properly deal with your emotions in a healthy manner and learn to maintain the frame when you are needed to protect yourself, to protect others, it's, to make the best decision um, under logic without that influence um, to ensure it's safety like, first. It's something like... You don't want to not be a monster. It's you want to be able to be a monster, but know how to control it. The same thing as where it's you would should rather be um, a warrior in a garden rather than a gardener in a war. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Damn, I, I I like that quote. I like that quote. Yeah. So I thought you were gonna keep continue. Oh no, I just uh, no, I just enjoy that quote. <laughs> No, I'm talking about talking about Cody. Oh. But but as you said, in the same vein, showing strength does not have to be demonstrative. It does not have to be showy. It especially does not have to be aggressive. Pumping yourself up menacingly usually backfires on you and makes you come off as much weaker and fragile. Um, and once again, this is kind of shown through the whole Oscar antics. Um, and the biggest criticism that I've seen so far regarding that is that <laughs> and it's the way people say it is uh so you go and bitch out on another nigga because you got a side eye from your bitch right well. <laughs> <laughs> basically and, laughing, but. and it's it's interesting to me that a lot of the seasoned actors i uh, went to will afterwards and was like yo listen we get the whole protect your family protect your house thing but there's a time and a place for everything. And it is, it falls on the black man, especially, to show doubly that we're not the threat they think we are. Um, even though we are a threat and we should be a threat, but the, the ability to control 
that threatening aura is a skill that we all need to to really invest in uh, mastering. Yeah. Um, sure. And you know, it goes back to uh, the Peterson quote that um, Cody uh, uh, enlightened for us um, in wanting to be a warrior in the garden rather than a gardener in a war. I, I don't I, think he said that, but it's a similar quote. No. There is one thing I wanted to say about this Will Smith thing. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I will say this. Whether you agree with Will Smith or not agree with Will Smith, somebody pointed something out about the, the Oscars. This is more about Oscars and mm-hmm. like how they're, you know, there's so many actors and actresses coming out like, Will Smith, how could he do that? You know what I'm saying? Just people just coming out, just coming out the woodworks talking that shit. Like the Oscars is just some sacred ground or something. There have been multiple incidents in which um, the Oscars were like, nobody's above anybody else. They're making it seem like what Will Smith did is so super like negative and like, like it's the worst thing a human could have done at the event like the Oscars. But here, in 1973, um, I can't remember the, the, the lady's name, but Marlon Brando won an Oscar and he let a woman go up, a Native American woman go, go up and accept the award on his behalf. But he let her go up because she wanted to talk about how um, Hollywood was treating Native Americans in movies and how it should not be, you know, basically it was just a, a call to action for, you know, less discrimination and just for people to be, you know, better um, when it came to representation of uh, Native American people in movies. And in doing that, not only was she mocked by Clint Eastwood when he d- delivered the next award, he was like, I don't know if I should give this award for, you know, on behalf of all of the cowboys who got shot in Western, like as a joke to what she had said. And also, um, they, John Wayne, who was there, it took six security guards to tr- for him to try. He wanted to, he tried to storm the stage to attack the woman. She, she got booed. And all this other stuff happened right there live um, in terms of people trying to attack and degrade her for going up on, for accepting the award and saying something positive that needed to be said. Not only that, but, and I didn't know this, Roman Polanski. Is anybody familiar with Roman Polanski? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not, like, I've heard of. Not, okay. I wouldn't say familiar. Okay. Too deeply. Backstory of Roman Polanski. He's a, he's a, a um, I think German and French, um, German and French, Polish, French, or Polish, French, excuse me. Um, thank you. Uh, movie director. He mm-hmm. came and he, um, actually, the story is kind of interesting. He, um, early on, early on in his life before he became what I'm going to talk about, he had a pretty rough mm-hmm. life. He, like, his parents were taken and he survived, like, the Holocaust, um, you know, um, and like kind of like his parents were taken to a concentration camp and he ended up in like some um the original ghettos um in mm. europe then he came to america he started directing european film after surviving the holocaust then came to america mm-hmm. um directed some films including um the horror film rosemary's baby um mm. which is you know i think held as a classic he also was dating and his, his I think, wife or girlfriend. I don't know if his wife or girlfriend, but Sharon Tate was pregnant mm-hmm. with his child, and she 
at his house, um, the infamous Charles Manson um, murders happened where they killed a couple of other actors and actresses and his pregnant wife or girlfriend at the time, Sharon Tate. So he also lived through that. In 77, he was um, convicted of basically raping a 13-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. And he thought he was in America and they, he thought that, you know, he had, he had made a plea deal and he, you know, to, to lesser charges, um, something, you know, sexual behavior, lewd sexual behavior with a minor. And he thought he was going to get off with the plea deal, like probation. When he found out that he was going to go to jail, he fled back to Europe. And he has been a fugitive to uh, American um, justice system since then, since 1977. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to 02. He still, he never stopped directing. Fast forward to 02. He directs the movie The Pianist. And he wins in 02 the award for best director for that film. And you know what he got? He got a standing ovation from the audience. Camera zoom. That's what we're talking about, putting people, celebrities up on a pedestal type of thing. Exactly. I say I did, did that long-winded shit to say all of this. I don't like people speaking on this Will Smith thing as a, you know, he's a degenerate, like he's a degenerate. I don't, you know, I get what Will did. He defended this woman. I'm not, I don't feel sorry for Jada Pinkett in the least bit. Um, I really don't feel sorry for Will, and I don't feel really sorry for Chris Rock. Like after thinking about it more and more, I don't really feel. They're just these are just celebrities. They don't know me. I don't know them. I don't have any remorse for motherfucker what's going on. I understand what Will did. That being said, I don't like people taking this as a moment, using this as a moment to be like Will shouldn't have did this because that's just so bad of him as a human and like yada yada. This whole system, this celebrity shit that they got going on, you motherfuckers had a standing ovation for motherfuckers raped the thirteen year old girl and then ran and then ran and then st- and then still gave me an award they were talking about taking will's award y'all still gave this man an award well i don't know if it's going to be a retractor or not but there's a lot of things like he's resigning from the academy which i don't know if that was a force he's forced to or not like you know um and they might uh, suspend or expel him from the academy and stuff like that Ooh, will? so will yeah yeah, but I'm like, he already got his fucking award, so what the fuck does that have to do yeah, with like, that? Like, that's the thing, that's the thing. You're going to suspend... Why is Roman Polanski able to still be a part of the community, quote-unquote, and when he's a literal fugitive, literal United States mm-hmm. fugitive, and this man was able to win, not only still be a part of the community within that whatever the fuck, but also win the award. The same reason why it was easy for Will Smith to walk up on a stage um, that he was 15, 20 feet away from um, and slap a black man, but they wouldn't let Ogre near the podium with uh, Clint Eastwood um, be- yeah. because they, they choose who they wish to protect and whatnot. They like the drama of black on against black. They, they love that drama, which is why you had all the old heads talking to Will like, yo, there's like time and place for that. While you had Shannon Sharp saying, yo, he'd have to see me outside um, because even Shannon Sharp was like, yo, you hit me. Okay, we're we going to skip it for today because I got shit to do. But after this show, you're going to see me, nigga, because right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We got some stuff to talk about. And the fact that nobody comforted Chris, nobody gave a shit about Chris, even though you could see clear in his face that he was like, 
what the fuck do I do now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, like yeah. everything coming back to his um to his to his mind of past trauma, conflicts, all the things that really um lay heavy on his heart and mind, he um he had to deal with on that stage and they had the camera in his face to where you could see him right. trying to deal with that right, in real time. Yeah, yeah. And then you got the reactions of Jada in the background laughing at the shit. Like it's just a lot. And um nobody gives a fuck honestly about most of what happens to black people. They just don't. Right. And, yeah. and, I mean, I'm it's sad to say, but you have a literal child rapist winning an award. Um the same way that black people protect both Bill Cosby and R. Kelly. I'm like, listen, they did some great things as far as music and TV and shows and whatnot, but they are still terrors to the community. Right. <laughs> that, that's not funny. Like, I get what you're saying. Just the, the word to it. Yeah. Um, and they should be treated as such because yeah. they none neither one of them show any remorse. Yeah. They don't only and Bill isn't even sad he got caught because he got off. But R. Kelly is sad because that nigga still in jail. <laughs> Singing the people on the fucking telephone and shit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I just I, I I didn't I heard the name Roman Polanski before for sure. Mm-hmm. I feel like I heard it in rap. Like motherfuckers be using you know what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. But. I'd look and doing the research and looking at seeing more, but I'm like, what the fuck? So y'all gonna snatch this man Oscar? Like he shouldn't have did it. Whatever he shouldn't have went on say whatever, whatever. But y'all gonna snatch this man Oscar and shit? But y'all giving this motherfucker one, and he on the run. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy to me, crazy bro. Yeah, but you know it's all politics, and he who makes the he who has the goal makes the rules, as my pops likes to say. Yeah, I was gonna. When when you were telling that story, McCoy, I was thinking like, what are the points of these awards, anyways? Like, it's so BS. It's kind of like a participation award. It's not like it does anything. On the other side, it kind of does because you know you get to see like, oh, this new movie coming out this summer with Oscar award winning blah, blah blah. It's just bigger names and like that draws people's attention. But it's not like it. It's not like an NBA title or you know a trophy something like that where or mm-hmm. you know you get more money or in that sense but mm-hmm. so to me that's bogus but i was just thinking yeah it's as as this as it all started you get i mean we all talked about my group chat but like i was all like yeah i get what will did and why blah, blah, blah. and um as it kind of goes on and on and i'm just like i'm not saying like he, he was completely running i 100 percent now side was chris but i'm just like man this whole thing was effed up and obviously we all think yeah there's a lot of different ways how this could have gone down mm-hmm. and there's um, but it didn't, so it's not like, oh, I wish, you know, it's like, we can't wish because it didn't, you know, it only went down one way. But <laughs> You can't wish. But, <laughs> well, seriously. I mean, you can wish. You don't got no genie. You know. What's that meme on that? Guy. Especially with <laughs> the first two wishes are suck. In Hollywood, uh, um, getting off on a lot of shit, because this, uh, uh, since you brought it up, this Roman Polanski thing has been going on since at least 2018. Uh, they've been trying to vote this motherfucker out the Oscars and he still show up, so. Yeah, so wow. anyway, so you can't wish anything, so I'm just kidding. <laughs> you just but, can't. So, it's wish.com. Uh, I'm going to pull a Russell here. You're not wrong, but let me tell you why you're not right. <laughs> but no, it just also reminds me, too, of the, it's like, you know, there's not good weather and there's not bad weather. There's just weather, and it's all your perspective on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no, I got you for sure, for sure. 
Yeah, but it doesn't. No, it's fine. First, you can wish for better weather. He said, "You can't wish dot com." But you know, at at the end of the day, what I really wanted to just kind of go over is just that um, we often look over the underlying issues and the un- underlying signs of um, whether it's abuse, whether it's um, um, just negligence um, of the health and well-being of men. And we only talk about the actions and the reactions instead of the things that led up to it um, and how we can vouchsafe our own mental health um, by making sure not to be confined to these different uh, stereotypes and and different um, confinements and set our own boundaries in how we um, heal, how we um, build ourselves up, and how we protect ourselves. McCoy? Oh, wait. Say that again? Wait. You said McCoy. That's your name. Right. right. Well, Unless you wanted to, him to call you desktop. Wait, wait. Are you calling me to answer a question? I'm sorry. No. no do your story. Hey, okay, I'm like, wait, I'm like, listen, wait, what? Sir. No, wait, I, wait, I, no, I was this like. This is the first time we've done this. Turn I'm your like, keyboard up. <laughs> <laughs> Turn my headphones up. Um, okay. Well, I don't actually have a story, but I have two random fun facts. Um, so, one, lizards communicate. Huh? By put, doing push-ups. Yeah. Yes. How the fuck did you know that? That was actually my Snapple facts that I got on my phone the other day. Well, <laughs> fuck you, Cody. All right. Well, my other fact is July thirty. I was gonna make a joke saying. Wait, I was gonna make a joke on the group chat saying with lizards communicate by doing push-ups. Russell being a lizard would just be like an anime character so stacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know more words than you. Look at all these push-ups. <laughs> 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 um, July 31st is National Orgasm Day. So. Hold on, I'm still writing that in my calendar. National. That's a guy. Fun fact, Jada Pinkett is a bad. But on that note, you have now just heard episode Dang. 109 of not politically correct. Um, one Siggy nine. One Siggy nine. Wasn't one oh Nicky nine. No, 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 no. Super was one oh eight. Yes. Yep. One niggas. Um. Yeah. Well, he was one oh eight because. Hold on. Yeah. That's all right, man. We're wrapping up. Yeah, exactly. It's episode 200 and 300. Yeah, exactly. It's 200 it's in my episode heart. episode Trojans. Wrap right. this shit up. Right, exactly. You should boy, McCoy, a.k.a. Mr. What to Do, a.k.a. Young Splash God, Cody, and Russell. Yeah, Russell. <laughs> and just like that, get. <laughs>